Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast, brought to you by Flowpath. I'm your host, Griffin Hamilton. This is the show where I interview industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights into modern day facilities management. From hospitality to commercial real estate and everything in between, we'll learn what it really takes to succeed as a facilities manager. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Today, I've got Melissa Kahn with Summit Facility Solutions joining the show. Melissa, how you doing? I'm excellent. Griffin, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. At the time we're recording this, I know it's not relevant, but we're a couple days after Florida State just beat LSU in college football. So I'm going to throw that out there just because I'm passionate about that. But uh, that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about facilities management. And um, with that, I'll, I'll throw it over to you to uh, introduce yourself to the audience on who you are and what it is you do with Summit. Well, first of all, let me just say that I went to UConn, so I'm a Huskies fan. Okay. So, college football is a little delicate for me, um, but congrats <laughs> to the victors. Uh, <laughs> hi, my name is Melissa Kahn. Uh, I am the Vice President of Business development with Summit Facility Solutions. Um, I've been in the facility management industry for 10 plus years, had a lot of really amazing experiences and um, learned a lot along the way, fell into it the way most people do, which is completely by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like most people don't know that this industry exists until you're actually faced with a job. So I'm excited to talk today and and just, uh, you know, kind of have a wrap session. Yeah, uh, no doubt. And that's, you hit it on the head there where it seems like everyone we talked to in the industry is like, yeah, I kind of just had a job and ended up being good at that job and took on more responsibilities. And when upper management saw I could solve problems, then they just threw out a lot at me and decided to call me a facilities manager. So uh, that's very common story here. Exactly how it happens for pretty much everybody. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's that's changing, and that's a topic for another day. But um, you know, really, the the core theme of today is really talking about what you guys are doing over at Summit Facility Solutions, um, with you guys taking on clients, and um, really, from my understanding, and I'll let you, the expert, explain it in more detail. But creating custom plans to help with both the cleaning, commercial cleaning, as well as overall facilities management. But why don't you provide a little context on what it is uh, Summit does? Okay. Um, if I went super high level, Summit will do it all. All right. Turnkey solution. Everybody says that. Um, but overall, we started out um, a few years ago as a primarily a janitorial company focusing on, you know, what it took to keep it clean. Over time, you know, COVID really heightened the importance of janitorial. You know, I think that um, nowadays you look at a space and you don't think about Does it look aesthetically clean? It has to be, you know, physically kind of in that realm of perfection because we live in a world now where, you know, dirty equals sick. So Mm -hmm. um, that that really primed the team to say, okay, so we've mastered this, right? How do we continue to expand? And that's that's where I got invited on to join Summit uh, to expand into maintenance and construction. So uh, we're offering everything from, you know, your basic facility management to construction projects, your rollouts, your remodels, refreshes, um, you know, overall tenant improvements. And that comes with 
all those reactive things. I mean, I always say it, it would be great to just build a building and kind of walk away, but then you wouldn't have a job and facilities wouldn't exist. So right. we're all kind of fortunate that even though it's a little bit negative, um, these are these are problems that we kind of want to have because we want to solve them. Um, so I basically have been, you know, tasked with creating that environment for our clients and any new clients to invite them to really enjoy a customized approach, a really partnered approach um, to facilities management. And I think that that's what we're doing a little bit differently. Yeah. And you mentioned the P word partner. That's so very important. And especially as you are trusting an organization like Summit to go in and really be that resource for you know ongoing maintenance, but also the emergencies, which we'll touch on here in a bit. Uh, but you mentioned the custom piece of this. And that is an approach where, you know, I think anyone that is looking to outsource, you want to make sure that it fits your needs. And it's not just a one size fits all program um, that is copy paste across, you know, that organization's portfolio. And so when you talk about custom program, let's start out from the beginning on what exactly you mean by that customization and what goes into creating uh, that custom program. It's a great question. Um, and it's a great question because legitimately it's, it's, it's not a one size fits all. So I feel like when you're, especially in, in my case as an aggregator, sort of the intermediary between what happens, you know, on the level with the site and the vendors all the way up to the corporate office, you have this, um, this space to create something. And a lot of it can be very cookie cutter, you know, realistically, what do we have going on? We have a problem. We have something that's broken, something that needs to be installed, something that needs to be repaired, replaced, what have you. Um, and then that moves into solving that problem, closing the ticket, moving on. For a more customized approach, um, and this is this is where I've kind of mandated this within Summit to, to really drive this home, is to create a custom program, you have to understand the custom needs. Uh, so understanding what's actually in a space versus what you would normally see uh, historically in a space. So you'll always have your plumbing problems. You'll always have your electrical problems. You'll always have your, um, you know, HVAC issues. Lord, help me. Um, <laughs> but ultimately what you want is somebody to react to your space with the understanding of what your space is. So we prioritize making sure that the sites understand that we know their sites. Uh, a lot of that starts off with you're looking for, you know, a custom program for handyman concierge services, or you're looking for, um, you know, LED retrofit programs, or you're, you're looking for somebody to go and inspect all of your, you know, fire safety equipment. It starts with getting boots on the ground. Um, I think that everybody in the industry wants that connection for their sites. They want their managers, uh, their store staff, their their customers to feel like if we're coming into the space, we're engaging with the space and not just the opportunity to be transactional. We're forming something that is a lot more meaningful in terms of what you actually need. You know, if you if you sit and you collect data from taking work orders, eventually you'll build a historic understanding of, of what a customer needs. But if you preemptively, you know, kind of pass the buck to your team to say, we're going to take this over for you. We're going to help you to invent this and understand the best practices, understand what's in the space. You know, if you're a restaurant, what's 
what's your hot side? What's your cold side? Are you using turbo chef ovens? Are you, um, you know, do you have quarry tile in your kitchens? What are the solutions going forward? If you're in an industrial site, you know, uh, are you doing polished concrete? When's the last time that you, you know, did a site walk for cracks and crags and, and, you know, decomposition in the concrete. There's all of these things that build the foundation for what you want to present as a program, because nobody wants to, you know, spend facility dollars if it's unnecessary spending. Mm -hmm. um, I think first tier maintenance is a really, really important approach. Um, and that first tier starts with getting eyes on site, understanding what the needs are, understanding what the site looks like, what it has, all the components, and then you can start to put together a program that works. You just listed off 20 different things that people could be thinking of, but I think that's important to call out because it's difficult as with any consulting, it's easy to go in and say like, Oh, well, are you doing the obvious? But in the day in and day out, it's difficult to see, you know, the force of the trees. And I'm curious if that's something where you find that to be pretty common, where it's not this revolutionary solution to a problem. It's just like a simple question because you're not there up until the point where you do have boots on the ground. Is that common? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, a store manager, um, they take pride in their sites, right? But their job is not to maintain the facility itself. Their job is to manage the operations of the store. Um, a component of that is facilities, but it's not the total component. And Things are often either overlooked or missed or downgraded when they should be upgraded or upgraded when they really should be downgraded in order to meet the needs of what that perspective is. Again, it really comes down to the perspectives. Um, and when you get into aggregating, you've got your store managers, you've got your customers, you've got your vendors, you've got you know the corporate office, you have us. No one person's take on a situation is necessarily wrong, but you want to bring in the expertise to guide somebody to a solution that's either the most cost effective, the fastest, or the best quality. You know, there is that that facilities Venn diagram of perfection, right? You want it done fast, you want it done cheap, and you want it done great. And a lot of people say, like, you can only really have two of the three. You know, if you want something done wonderfully, and you know, you don't want to pay a lot for it, you may have to wait. Or if you want it done fast, but, you know, it has to be high quality. It's it's not going to be cheap. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, providing this preliminary program where, you know, you're obtaining all the information, you're obtaining all the specifications, dimensions, um, all those items, and then understanding what's important to the corporate office as well as the sites, you're going to be able to eliminate that and try and, you know, aim for that triangle every single ticket. Uh, but I think that, it is it is easy to you know overlook certain items if it's not really your day to day job. So there's a lot of really great things that come into creating a program because you can also help not only to manage the expectation but to manage the knowledge too. Right. You know, I feel like being able to interact as just as human beings, you have the opportunity to create something every time, and and it may seem really small um, in terms of you know what we do as people in the world, but I think that, you know, helping a building, which is like a living, breathing thing to function properly, that that can be a really impactful thing for everybody involved. Hey, listeners, real quick. This is Alex Cummings, CEO of Flowpath, an industry leading CMMS designed and built by operators to fit the scale of any organization. 
I'm excited to share with you that Flowpath now offers a tier for teams that just need core CMMS functionality on simple monthly contracts and at a price that makes sense. We call it Flowpath Core, and it runs on the same powerful Flowpath software that thousands of professionals rely on every day. So come check us out at getflowpath.com and see just how easy it is to get started with a software designed to fit your needs. Oh, and mention this ad and you'll get 10% off your core subscription. Okay, enough from me, back to the show. Sure. And, and I think that goes into the next point of benchmarking, because again, being in your own single building or portfolio, you're in a, in a sense limited to that, right? And you don't see different industries and different buildings across the country different, with different climate, different issues, different solutions that you might not be thinking of. And I think that's where that consultant mindset comes into play, where you do have that different perspective. And so you guys have the ability to benchmark and provide those different benchmarks. What, uh, I guess, talking to different KPIs there, what do you really drive home, at least to have a foundation of KPIs um, to start tracking? I mean, reporting is sort of the name of the game, right? Because we are in this world that, you know, everybody can offer technology, offer technology. Um, and that's what everybody's looking for. They're looking for your data automation. They're looking for, um, as you said, KPIs, SLA management. Uh, I think that one of the KPIs that we personally at Summit drive home is how much are you interacting human being to human being? So going back to the old days of picking up the phone and having a conversation, we want to make sure that we are touching the sites. That's a very important KPI. Um, we're communicating with them. We are letting them know schedule dates. We are making sure that they're happy with services. That's a really important KPI is what is the field feedback. Um, another KPI, but I think that this is across the board in our industry right now, and it's just getting more and more important, is first-time completion. Right? Mm -hmm. We want to be able to get in, solve the problem, get out. Um, understanding the sites, that lends itself really largely to, you know, nailing that KPI and really going above and beyond. Um, another really good KPI, obviously, is cost, you know, with a program. Um, and some of them can be, you know, maybe you bundle tickets or, or you defer services so that way you can, you know, sort of batch everything together. Ultimately, that's going to provide a cost savings. You want to be mm -hmm. able to show something that's quantifiable, you know, um, what we provide is really a soft service. Even though we're getting technicians into the field, what we provide is, you know, that that middleman approach of, you know, we're going to make sure that we're collecting everything so that you have one phone call to make, but everybody needs to be in the know for that. So understanding that and driving that home as a, as a very, probably the top KPI, uh, that's going to have the trickle down effect where all of the other reporting starts to really look beautiful and clean when, when you're addressing that. Sure. And I mean, we could have an entire conversation on different KPIs and how it, how they vary from industry to industry. And so I think that's the, the key point there is at least having that solid foundation and knowing what is going to have the biggest impact. Um, and so I guess switching gears and going into that communication uh, in a different scenario where you mentioned earlier, emergencies happen and that has to be communicated back and forth uh, between your client and then the, the organization actually resolving the issues. And as a human, you want your emergencies and your problems, it's everyone else's top priority. In reality, that's not always the case. Right. What 
I'm interested to hear your perspective on what fair expectations are for a client when they do have an emergency. It's not an if, it's when, uh, as far as response time, communication, et cetera. Yeah. Um, boy, I've had a lot of emergencies, a lot of, a lot of tears shed over the years, um, <laughs> dealing with got to get a vendor there yesterday. Um, you know, I have to make sure that things are done. The store is on fire. The store is flooding. Um, Here's the thing about emergencies. You have to understand that it is not an if, it's a when. And when they do happen, you have to be aligned long before you start taking emergency calls. In a program, you're running like a typical uh, cadence of service, so you don't always see emergencies. That is sort of outside of the box of when you say, I'm going to set up this you know, recurring service or this bundled program. But then if you want to be that full service provider, you need to understand that emergencies are going to happen. Um, first of all, having an in-house SLA for every single member of your team is paramount. You need everybody to understand that there is an urgency. Um, if you have that kind of urgency with your partners, uh, whether or not that be you know the vendors or the corporate office, that's going to set the standard uh, because they're going to come to expect that when you tell them rationally that, hey, this isn't really an emergency or, hey, this is an emergency, but, you know, it's in Kempner, Texas, and we're two and a half hours away. Honesty, it's the best policy. Just tell people the truth. I just um, just had this conversation recently. You have to be able to set the expectation internally and then try and live it externally and try and align it with your client. Um, is it going to go 100%, 100% of the time? It definitely is not. You know, we, we know this. Um, a technician will get held up or, um, you know, a, a leaking toilet or an overflowing toilet will start to cause some water damage. You have to prioritize what you can prioritize and you have to control the controllables, right? So falling in line with what they need. I mean, an emergency usually to me historically has always meant pick up the ticket within... 15 minutes and be on site within two to four hours, right? Um, but helping your your team and your client to understand what that is and what that means, that's going to go a long way. Um, and I think the most important part is also having a, a really great network of providers that you can count on, whether or not that's an in-house team that you work with. I mean, Summit has, has self-performing vendors. Um, we also aggregate. So we do have that hybrid model. And over time, we've seen that, you know, you can get the same service that you would have with a cell performer um, as you would with an aggregator. And the key to making those relationships look the same is the communication and the field treatment. You know, you're, you're putting skilled labor and right now finding skilled labor, it's a tough thing. I feel like we could have another full conversation <laughs> about uh, no labor kidding. shortages and all that good stuff. But you really want to make sure that the relationship that you have with your vendors is just as important as the one that you have with your clients, because you want that representation of you when you're aggregating to be the absolute best case scenario. Uh, because when you establish that trust, you also build that relationship around, okay, so when those things do happen and when something does go wrong, there, there's going to be a collaboration rather than, again, a transaction. And that's it. There's no point in having a partnership if that's all it is. Yeah, no. And that, that certainly makes sense. And it's just 
feel like disappointment is just due strictly to poor expectations being set on the front end. And the irony in this industry is how proactive, you know, we preach preventative maintenance and thinking ahead and planning for the worst case scenario, having a plan B, C, and D, and yet having the expectations up front just seems to be thrown out. Uh, and so just making sure that you're on the same page from the get go. I mean, that, that just is imperative. The, the, I think the issue when you're first starting out with a partnership is um, the development of complacency. So when you first, you know, have this trial run, I, I like to say that the first like 90 days is usually the learning curve phase where that's where you should make your mistakes because you have to learn. You have to learn what your partners like, how they like to be communicated with. You know, some people want you to speak to the site. Some people want you to only schedule through them. Um, you know, some people want you to be there in two hours and not four. If you can't honor that, you have to be up front understanding all of that and and putting that all into play and into action with your clients that's <laughs> that's going to set you up to avoid all of those issues because you you can't overpromise and then underdeliver right put your best foot forward understand that you're not going to be all the things to all the people and understand where you are strong and where you are weak and then slowly develop that over time any program that you do put in place should be piloted with a smaller number of stores. You know, if somebody says we can take your whole portfolio and we're going to rock it, you know that that's immediately grounds for dismissal because they can't, nobody can. That's why mm. there's more than one management company. That's why there's more than one restaurant. You know, nobody, no one person makes everybody's favorite taco. One right. can make the argument that they have their favorite, but you know, it's, it's always going to be a different preference. Again, perspective. Sure. And you leaned into it a little bit, but outside of that communication, what advice would you give a facilities manager that's looking at different partnerships and considering this route? Um, what would be a good starting point outside of what we talked to already? Well, um, gosh, that's, it's always tough because, you know, the, the market is very saturated with uh, facility management companies, facility management teams, in-house, outhouse, sourcing, procurement, you know, there's so many different things. Um, I think that the advice that I would give somebody if they're starting to shop is have your conversations about capabilities, but don't let somebody pitch you. You know, everybody, everybody wants their, you know, their piece of the pie, but um, there's enough food at the table for everybody to eat. See who you connect to it. See who makes the most sense for your portfolio. The same people who service, you know, an industrial warehouse may not be able to walk into luxury retail and follow the same guidelines that are needed in facilities. Uh, who do you who do you connect with? Who do you vibe with? Because realistically, you have to be working with these people all the time. You know, you want to be able to actually use somebody as as a partner, you know, and not just a vendor that you throw a couple of bones to and, you know, you go back and forth about pricing, you go back and forth about process, and then before you know it, you're out in the field looking for a vendor again. It's it's a long game. It's not a short game. And, and when you start to approach things like, who do I want to work with for the next 10 years? You should have that, you know, in, in terms of your outsourcing, as much as you have that with your own job, because these are the people who are going to represent you. So do your due diligence. Yeah, that's great. Well, I, I do have one last question and I ask everybody oh boy. Uh, that is who or what has had the biggest impact on you and your career? Oh man. Um, 
Mm. That's a great question. That's a tough question. Yep. <laughs> um, I think about like there's there's it's like an Oscar speech. I have so many people to thank. <laughs> um, I don't have a red light back here, so <laughs> <laughs> just cue up the orchestra music while I'm thinking. <laughs> I think to kind of get me off stage. I think um, in terms of my uh, professional development, because personally, you know lean into your family, lean into your friends. My, my husband has been a, a, an amazing champion for me um, throughout the entirety of my career. And I, I went looking for this job to, you know, help pay our rent and found an, an entire life for myself. It's been an amazing journey. Um, in terms of industry professionals, I'm going to give a shout out to um, Dan Ritchie. He, he does the Dale Carnegie training and he taught me how to listen. And that's, that is key to whatever you, you really do in this industry. Just open up your ears. Don't wait for your turn to speak when you're having a conversation. Listen, you're going to get a lot more out of it. So uh, my hat's off to Dan. Yeah, that's great. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for coming on and providing your perspective on the industry and telling your story. Uh, it's been great to have you on and uh, until next time, be good. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and follow us on LinkedIn for more facilities management content.